Hello people and welcome to a special episode of the Two Halves Show. Joining me this week are two close friends, three close friends actually. We have a producer with us today, shout out Muslim Tourist. Uh, he's going to be chipping in uh, here and there. Um, and we're also coming back from episode two, we have Abdul. How are you doing my bro, you good? I'm good, I'm good, I'm here brother. Good to have you back, good to have you back. And on and joining us for the first time is Mahdi. Uh, do you want to say hello? Hi guys. We have a special episode for you this week. Um, our normal episode will be coming out later on uh, in the week. But for this one, we are doing a special on Manchester United after a big week for the club. Um, of course, the Ronaldo situation being a big talking point, as well as their latest fixture against Chelsea, as they came away with a 1-1 draw uh, in the last minute, thanks to a Casemiro header. What we want to do is to look back at the season so far and uh, their expectations for it going forward. So, Abdul, I want to start with you on this. Yes, Because sir. I know you've got uh, a few thoughts. So I just want, I want to hear your thoughts on the season so far and uh, Ten Hag specifically and how he's adapted and done so far uh, this season with Manchester United. I think it's, um, it's, been, it's been an impressive start to the season, I'll have to say. Uh, I think the last two games have shown us a bit more of what we could expect um, from Ten Hag this season overall. If you ask me the best case scenario in terms of the way this season could go, in terms of you know having the football, the performances and the results, I don't think we've been very far off that. I feel like yeah. you can already tell there's an established system. We're starting to gain controlling games. And like I said, the last two games show a bit more in regards to that. And obviously we'll dive into that when we talk about Chelsea and, and what happened in the game. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think overall, my analysis of the season is that there's been continuous improvements, good bounce backs and and noticing, you know, where things are not working, gaining more control in games. Um, there's there's been an evolution, hasn't there, throughout the season? And uh, like you said, specifically on the good points, I, I think there's, there's things to highlight in that, like you were just saying now. And I think the other thing is, it's just, it feels that even adjusting to situations, like when you look at that Chelsea game again, no number nine, things like that, I'm managing to still, you know, leave with a good result against the top six side we should have probably won the game. So, yeah, I think Ten Hag's done a brilliant job and I'm, I'm really enjoying what I've seen so far. 100%. The, the disappointment at a, a draw away to a top six side is definitely a sign of um, expectations rising within the fan base as well. Madi, what are your thoughts on the season so far? And um, has Ten Hag matched your expectations of what uh, he would have done by at this stage of the season? I think he's uh, he has surpassed it because... Obviously, the first two games were a bit of a disappointment, but then afterwards, he established himself as a very promising um, coach. Um, also, if he if he gets backed in the next three years, I think we're going to see Manchester United back like like ten ten years ago when we were under Fergie. Like Abdul said, the last couple of games, I think we've seen the, the more of a dominant side of United. Not just, I think the games after the the first two games, what Ten Hag did, he wanted to start off with the basics first, master the basics of defending and whatnot. And then after that he built on that. And we've seen we've seen this in the last couple of day a uh, couple of games against Tottenham and uh, and Chelsea. Hundred percent I think that pattern has been quite clear. Um like you said, after the two games he kind of went back to basics and, and it was a defense defence first um kind of scenario uh, in, in approaching games. However I think the switch really came with the Manchester City game where United did get exposed, but it showed a shift in mentality in that we're going to play the way he wants to play, regardless of kind of 
what the this the repercussions are and it's about the performances rather than the results and that i think that's something that you touched on abdul as well that um the importance at the moment is the the way united are playing and how the game develops rather than the final score in any of these games yeah 100 percent. but i think at the same time you're getting results in situations where like in the past where you see good moments and you see some sort of controlling games the results don't really follow through. I mean, any sort of result. Sometimes you'd go away to a team, like today, like we did with Chelsea, you'd, you'd feel like, oh, we've had a good game, but then they'd always end up nicking it away and you never really build the momentum. But when you look at that Tottenham game, the first half, Man United played one of the best halves of football I've seen from us in years. I feel 100%, like yeah. when you come up against Harry Kane, I almost want to speak more about that game because it highlights a bit more of what we expect. When you see see a bit of like Harry Kane and Son in these big games, they always hurt teams regardless of the opposition. We've seen continuously what they do every year against Man City and against Liverpool in that title charge game last season for Liverpool where they went at Anfield, Son and Kane was still dangerous. Uh, I think Kane assisted Son actually in that game. Tottenham against City as well at the Etihad last season beating City in that style. So I felt like Man United, Varane and, and Martinez, especially on the night, did so well to stop them. That partnership really, really, really started to build and, and you could see it. And obviously we've got it with Varane's injury, but I think it just shows, you know, having like, you, I think uh, Mardi said that in terms of like having the, the team at the start of the season, you know, with the results that we had and then going back to the basics of defending and, and building a structure defensively and then adjusting to the pressing and controlling of games. And I feel like that's what's happened. He found that defensive partnership and the way that whenever Kane or Son touched the ball that game, Martinez would Martinez run right through them. Martinez stood out on that game. And, yeah. and Varane would just drop off and know when to pick up the ball, know what to do. And I feel like in the last two games, what I've seen from Varane is the fact that he'd shift the ball from his right foot to his left foot and quickly play a good progressive pass. Yeah. Which is, he's got that in his locker. He just doesn't seem to do enough. And he's a, he's a lovely character, good player to have around the team, brings a great energy. The other player as well you got to highlight from that Madrid, the past Madrid team is Casemiro has obviously come in. Like, wow, man. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, perfectly brings us on to the next point of, of the, the most impressive performance. And I think I'll, I'll come back to you on that. But Madhu, for you, who has been your most impressive performer uh, this season? It doesn't have to be one player. Uh, you know, a couple of players that stood out for you. Actually, a lot of them, not the just team. one or two. But um, Martinez stands out. Um, Dalit or Dalo. His improvement uh, from the last couple of seasons is un unbelievable. I think he is the most improved player for me personally. Um, Shaw, I mean, he he he. We've seen the Shaw we've seen in in season twenty twenty one under Oli. So uh, and obviously Varane, Casemiro is, is too many. Bruno Fernandes as well. I mean, yeah. Like I so said, so for you, so for you, if I had to press you for one because you've given me a few there, it, it's going to have to be Martinez. Yeah, yeah. Obviously now, uh, Tourist is going to chip in here. What about you? Who's you been your kind of standout performer? My standout performer has been definitely Martinez. has to be Martinez. He's been, the, the aggressiveness that he's brought, kind of anyone that comes next to him, um, like any, 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 any player that you put in that nine, he, he challenges, he puts that, he starts off the aggressively, makes sure that Luke Shaw or, or Dallo or Veranda all have to kind of reach his level in terms of like yeah. in, in, in bringing that energy. Uh, but there was one point I wanted to bring up who would be my second best kind of player, if you wanted to say that, is uh, Casemiro. You mentioned earlier in the City game where uh, Ten Hag had to like change 
and go back to what he actually wanted to do with with, um, with the team. And I genuinely believe that Casemiro, even though we didn't think that would he would be the type of player that he initially wanted, he's the one that has opened the door for him to do exactly what he wants over the next few games. Because like beforehand, when he tried to do it with Brentford or Brighton, like it, it didn't work with McTominay. And it didn't we lacked a focal point, yeah. Exactly. Now, now, yes, Casemiro, a lot of people were questioning why is Casemiro taking so long to... To, to be starting but he had to bed in he had to he was still coming in and um Mardi, like I, I completely agree with what you're about to say as in like casemiro once once he started settling we've seen united dominate exactly. more as soon as he fully settled in that's yeah. what i've noticed i i think the the most impressive thing about casemiro has been um that he's highlighted how badly united have needed that defensive midfielder because of his performances um and, and kind of the lack thereof uh, and like you said, it's it's been a game-on-game game improvement for him because you know we were just watching the Chelsea game and I mentioned that even before the goal, it was probably his best game in a United shirt. You know, in previous games there were a lot of misplaced passes and things, but with this one he had a perfect game. And if that is a theme of things to come, then United will only go. What's interesting with Casemiro, it almost reminds me of the time at Madrid when Zidane had come in and then. Obviously, I feel like they were playing with that midfield three of Cruz, Modric, Rod- uh, Rodriguez or Isco. It felt very, very lightweight and I felt they always needed something that season. I think Casemiro was alone at Porto. He'd come back. I never understood why he wasn't getting a chance. Um, Mardi will know this. Who was the manager? Was it Benitez at the time before Zidane? Who was uh, the before one? Zidane, it was uh, Benitez for half season. Yeah. But the one before was Ancelotti for two seasons. The first season, it was because Xabi Alonso was there and then he got loaned he got and loaned Madrid... Porto, yeah. Madrid, when they sold Xabi Alonso, they made a mistake of loaning Casemiro in the same season. That's why they won zero trophies in 2015. For me, is why, when I look at that period with Madrid, I was baffled because I looked into him and what he did with Porto and, and he really impressed me and I thought, this is the type of guy that this Real Madrid midfield needed. I remember then, earlier on in Zidane's time, if I'm not wrong, they, uh, they had the our classical game in the first few weeks of him taking over the job and then he played Casemiro away at the new Camp and you know he shut Messi down, and and he had a he had a brilliant, brilliant performance. And it's almost that similar impact that I'm seeing at Man United, where you're starting to see that enforcing in midfield, turning the ball over, bringing in the big tackles. You know what I mean? You know when people say like setting the tone with a tackle. Or what's impressed me though most in this team is what that Madrid team needed at the time was someone who to, who's going to recover the ball. You know Modric and Cruz. We spoke about earlier in the game, and you said Madi yourself like. Modric and Cruz, they know how to play a pass. They know what to do uh, on the ball. And, and, and they're some of the best players in the world at doing what they're doing with the ball. So Casemiro was just, you know, recovering the ball, doing the dirty work. Recycling possession for, for kind of the other more productive players. Exactly. And, and he just find the short pass. Like you said, you recycle the possession, but then he just find the short pass to them. Whereas at Man United, because we don't have that on the ball control, you start seeing him in the last couple of like, say the last 180 minutes, basically, the Chelsea and Tottenham game. There's a bit more expansive play from him. There's longer range passing. There's things to his game that I've watched years of Casemiro as one of my favourite players. And I've never really seen about yeah, him. Yeah, it's almost as if coming to Man United has... And a lot of people questioned kind of uh, the challenge in coming to United after he's achieved what he's achieved at Madrid. But that might be something in his thinking where he's thinking, I want to go further than my role at Madrid where I was maybe limited a little bit. And... If Manchester United give him gives him the opportunity to kind of show that side to his game, I think that can only be a positive. And th- the biggest thing for me as well is that 
he's someone who's going to be there for for a decent amount of time. That's not a position that we're going to have to look at in the short term. Uh, and that let, gives you an ability to kind of build out the rest of your team. Um, I, I've been very impressed by him. For me, I have to agree with you guys. Though. Martinez has probably been the standout. Yeah, I never mentioned, but Martinez yeah, is mine. Well. I, I think, think it's quite yeah. unanimous in it. I think I think he's uh, I think he's probably been our best centre back this season. Varane Varane's been phenomenal. Speedy recovery to him. I do th- hope that he's back before the World Cup. Um, but Martinez has brought an intensity to that back line. He's brought an intensity to a player like Luke Shaw, for example, where who you know who's lacked that intensity sometimes in his sometimes in his play, uh, and him being alongside him has has really brought that out of him. I'm, I'm I've been very impressed by him. If we were to kind of focus on the areas to improve, I, I know Abdullah, you've got a, a few thoughts on that. What would be kind of the main couple of areas to, to highlight in terms of what we need to do to still further improve? with the uh, players and the team we've got? I think with with this Man United team, there are moments like today's game where you just see that, that area of the pitch, that, that number nine role for me. I think the standout area to improve for Manchester United, in terms of a quick turnaround of things where you feel like makes the most impact to the team, at one stage I would have said goalkeeper because of the first, first couple of games of the seasons. Um, I, I think I, you know, I've been a big games, critic of David De Gea, but I do think that they've kind of find a way to limit his limitations in a way and, and bring the best of him without kind of risking the team. Exactly. And, and I think I would put that down to Ten Hag finding a way to build out the back in a certain way that covers that. And 100%. that shows, by the way, how how ridiculously good uh, Eric Ten Hag is as a coach. Like, to be able to adjust defensively, offensively, uh, your pressing structure, um, you know, when to drop off, when to allow teams to have the ball, when to gain control of games... And to then play against sides like Chelsea and sides like Tottenham and have that level of control, you know, th- that's what impresses me the most. And then the area where you want to avoid spending money on now the goalkeeper, you sort of, you don't have to look at that. And that takes me to the point of that investment that you can make in the short term in terms of that January signing, if you had to make one, it'd have to be a number nine for me because that's what makes the biggest impact in the team. And I sort of, you know, went away and I spoke a bit about the goalkeeper situation, but... That is it's leading me to the point of, you know, the number nine was the difference in that Chelsea game. If you start with a nine, Marcus Rashford come out to the left, picked up the, the ball for about 10 seconds, ran at his man, done a couple of those things with intensity and aggressiveness that, unfortunately, as much as I like Jaden Sancho, I feel like on the left anyways doesn't bring enough of that uh, as good as he is on the ball. And I feel like in that game, if you had a number nine, then you would have caused all sorts of problems for Chelsea. Marcus would be on the left. Um... Anthony is quite left-footed heavy, but he comes inside, can cause a problem. And then even if you put Sancho out onto the right, so you've got different variations of playing, but that all comes from having that focal point in the number nine position, whether it's at Ivan Tony, I mean, Tam- Tammy Abraham, we've heard the last couple of yeah, weeks, 100%. has been linked both, to both us as well. Linked. Both, I would say, are, and, and we mentioned that he doesn't really have a proper profile, but I'd say a bit more in the profile of what a Halo was for yeah. him at Ajax. So... I think a night if we can sign anyone that can make an impact for me, it's a number nine, and and then onto the summer you can move on to those other positions which have been masked pretty well. Still a bit dodgy with Fred today in in that Chelsea yeah. game, and that just alludes to needing understanding why he really wanted Frankie De Jong. It really does show for me why he wanted Frankie De Jong. Uh, but yeah, the biggest impact will be from a number nine in my opinion. Uh, well, Madi, what about you? Where do you think? Uh, the biggest area for improvement is in this team. That can be a transfer in the upcoming window or it could be a tactical change or something that you would do differently. 
I think the um, we've seen the improvement um, from Ten Hag the last few games, barring City game. So I don't think there's a lot of uh, room. Um, the transfers, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Cristiano Ronaldo, um, but same as Abdul, top priority at the moment would be number nine. And then we can talk about other positions like maybe a backup or a right back, maybe a centre mid and uh, a goalkeeper. But the top priority, at least for January, um, would be a number nine. Because with Ronaldo, he might be leaving in January. Martial is not very reliable in terms of fitness. So, yeah, we need number nine to kill games when we dominate like that. But we don't have the proper players to finish those kind of chances. 100%. Yeah, I think the, the number nine profile is definitely something to, to have a look at. Um, I also do think that right back might be something to look at in terms of providing cover for Delo, who, you know, he started all the games practically for Manchester United. And we know that Ethan Led's out on loan and, and looking to come back at the end of the season. But I do think maybe in the short term, they have something to, to, to bring there. In terms of, in my opinion, in terms of areas to improve, I think the biggest thing for Manchester United to take away from the first 10-11 uh, games of the season is that they have now played the, all the top six in the Premier League. Uh, and therefore, the the schedule is kind of going to be a lot kinder to them up until January. And I think because of that, I think small tactical changes in games, uh, rotations. We've seen that Ten Hag is someone who isn't a big fan of rotation when it comes to Premier League games. He likes to stick with a team that's performing well. To you know, some people have criticised that, but I think it's a, it's a good good way to go about it. Um, you mentioned Ronaldo. I think we'll finally come to this because. It has been a big talking point this this week. Of course, Ronaldo refusing to come on as a substitute against Tottenham Hotspur, uh, walking off the pitch, being fined two weeks' wages and being dropped from the first-team squad for the Chelsea game and also training. Opinions on the Ronaldo situation, Abdullah, because it is, it's, a, it's a situation that, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of people saw coming in the summer. Um, but did you see it kind of working out the way it has uh, done so far? Interestingly enough, I'm just on Twitter and I was scrolling through that debate and it's just funny to see how the reactions as we expected of depending on the result, unless we absolutely battered Chelsea 1-3-4-0, that you'd see you know people come out, especially his ex-teammates like Roy Keane who still want to have that connection with him where they probably get like one WhatsApp answer a year and <laughs> I don't know what it is, they're still hanging on to, you know, beg friend vibes. But them, them couple of ex-United players that just want to keep appealing to Ronaldo... By the way, I'm talking here, just to clarify, from genuinely one of the biggest Cristiano Ronaldo fans ever. Like, he's probably the reason that I got into watching the game in 06 or 07 before. Like, I think that was the one season where I, I, I first properly, like, watched Man United week in, week out. And I absolutely loved him. Watched him in that World Cup 06, first World Cup I'd watched. Loved that Portugal team. And he's he's genuinely been, you know, the, my favourite player of all time in the game. And I don't have anything against Ronaldo. But... In this current team, you just got to look past things. And I think, you know, in the current situation, the current setup that Man United have, it just doesn't work. When you look at in terms of oppression structure, when you look at in terms of what he brings to what the team needs, it doesn't really work out with Ronaldo now. And I think that's what some of these ex-Man United players, your pundits, and talking on TV and, and on Sky and whatnot today as we've seen, they need to understand that part of it. And unfortunately, they don't... Um, you know, whether they, they see it, but they're blinded by by it being their mate and whatnot. But what if there was no club to buy him in January? What should Man United do about that? And 
think he'd just be part of the squad and you just you as a manager at the end of the day, Ten Hag should not be adjusting things, you know, just to, you know, keep people happy like Ronaldo, keep whoever, even anyone. I'm just glad there's no board control to the extent where he's got to play and he's got to start and people are above Ten Hag are forcing that whole factor of Ronaldo has to be in the team and he's actually been, you know, he's been taken out of the squad for that Chelsea game. I think Eric Ten Hag's taken control of a lot of situations with Harry Maguire, you know, where, yeah, okay, he's an £80 million defender, and I get, like, there is, the thing is with Harry Maguire, I'm very in the middle with it, because a lot of people, and, and the reason why I'm drifting away from the Ronaldo topic, is to look at how Eric Ten Hag's managed things, but a lot of people do go over the top with the whole Maguire subject and, 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 and everything, and I get that, you know, his ability, the first season or two, and the level that he showed, has never really come through Harry Maguire, but I think this season he's gone, he's looked at it, the first couple of games, Harry Maguire going into the corner of the pitch, trying to shield the ball, being too slow in it, losing it, not doing things that he did in the first couple of seasons, mentally it getting to him, and then stepping in, bringing in Varane and Martin as that partnership, taking the £80 million defender out of the team, big decisions like that managers need to make, and again he's done it with Ronaldo, done it with Maguire, and he's made sure the priority is Manchester United winning on the pitch, there's no other priority, and I feel like management of situations has been very, very well from Eric. I think Hart. I think the 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 best point there is that obviously the that he's been he's been allowed that kind of full control that managers in the past maybe haven't haven't had the the privilege of, where he's been told that when it comes to the football side, you're the person who's going to make the decisions. We're going to do what you want, and there's going to be no interference. And I think even if that's the only thing that Richard Arnold has done, could difference to Woodward. That's that's a big thing that managers are not kind of held back by political reasons uh, for players. I kind of agree with you on the on the Ronaldo as a player thing, where as a player, I don't think he's... I, I maintain the opinion that I don't think it's impossible for Ronaldo to play the way Ten Hag wants or to press. He's a physical specimen and he can, but he refuses to. And I think that's where we kind of draw the line between Ronaldo the player, the physical player, and the and the person and the ego. And I think that gets in the way of the whole situation. If he was to accept the role that he has in the team, he would be a very productive member of, of, of Manchester United's squad. But he refuses to do that. And, and Ten Hag, to his credit, has, has waited for Ronaldo to kind of make the first slip-up in the situation um, and kind of be vindicated in, in dropping him and playing other players. Because if, if Ronaldo's actions came in a loss, they would almost be more understandable. It's the fact that they came in, a, in, in the most emphatic United win under his tenure, that that is probably most unacceptable. Uh, Madi, obviously you're 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 a fan of Real Madrid as well. What are your thoughts on the Ronaldo situation? As someone who's kind of watched him at his peak, uh, Manchester United, then Real Madrid, and now at, at Manchester United again, what do you make of the whole situation? And uh, kind of what do you think the right solution is? Uh, about the Ronaldo situation, I think what Ten Hag uh, did with Ronaldo was absolutely the right uh, the right thing to do. There's no there's no player above the club. Um, you can't you can't do that do that no matter what um what you've you have achieved in the past. It's a shame to see Ronaldo like that for the player he is. I mean he's he's one of the he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to some uh, of all time. Um, like some people in this room uh, think. But yeah, it's a shame. Yes, but you know the coach has to do what's best for the club no matter what. And uh, I think I think that was the the best approach. Now. Uh, for Ronaldo, 
the difficult question is, if no one wants to buy him in January, then Ten Hag would be in a dilemma because if Ronaldo continues uh, behaving like that, that's going to be an issue because he can't... I mean, you're just going to keep fining him and, and, and keep you know suspending him. I don't think that's a solution. So I think it's going to be a dilemma if, if in January no one wants to buy him unless Ronaldo changes his attitude, which I really hope he, he does. Yeah, for me, it was uh, at the start of the season, I said that he, he was going to get humbled one way or the other, where it was to either accept a, a, a more reserved role within the United squad, or if he wanted to leave, leave so desperately, he would have had to take a pay cut, and he has refused to do that. And yeah, I can see a situation arising where he ends up being uh, in a situation where he needs to terminate his contract for him to get that move uh, and even then I question which clubs uh, would want him we've already seen a cl- clubs like Marseille distance themselves from him and and kind of alluding to the fact that he doesn't suit a modern system so I do wonder what Atletico Madrid potentially because they are underperforming this season maybe they see him as someone who can be a solution Napoli I think is out of the window Napoli arguably have three strikers that are better than Ronaldo in Osimhen, uh, Simeone and Raspadori so uh, I think it's definitely a difficult situation for him personally. Uh, it would be sad for me personally to see him leave to a team in the Middle East or in the MLS or somewhere that isn't in Europe. Um, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. But like you said, if he does accept uh, a bit part role, then then that would be great. Coming on to uh, a final kind of part of this special, uh, I want us to kind of look forward because... The view when Tanha came in was always that it was a long-term plan. And I think that's definitely a good place to kind of round things up because I want to hear what you guys' expectations are for the rest of this season, but also looking forward in the next two or three years with Tanha. So, uh, Abdul, what's your kind of view to what should our aim be this season and what would be acceptable and our long-term view uh, under Tanha? I think if you look at the long-term view overall with Tanha, First things first, I'll address that. I feel like it's about having uh, a proper pressing structure, a proper structure on the ball, you know, control of games. And I feel like we're starting to see that come together. And I think the long-term view is you want to see that throughout the season because then when it comes to the end of the season and you're looking at the bits and pieces that you want to add that can fit into the puzzle um, at Old Trafford, then I feel like that's what the aim is. It should be having those things in place so... Come the summer, you know, what fits and, and what, what needs to get gone in that team. So I feel like so far from what we see from Ten Hag, uh, the expectations for the season, I'd, I think we can have a real go at being a serious top four team, not just challenging and just about nipping in because the way we played against Chelsea, we were the better team, in my opinion, and especially the situation we were in. Uh, the first 30 minutes, we had proper control of the game. We played through the lines very well. Uh, we progressed, we created some decent chances, the Rashford chance, the Anthony chance. In my opinion, for the situation we had, no number nine, we were limited in certain areas. I get Chelsea had a couple of missing plays as well. But I feel like Manchester United were a bit, you know, were really lacking with the lack of someone like Martial. So yeah. if you bring him in, then bring in a night, it's a whole different situation. And I think we were the better team. Then the Tottenham game, we were by far the better team. Like I've, It wasn't even close. It game, wasn't was even it? close. Like, it was complete dominance. It was complete control. Should have been four or five goals. But it's the fact that they didn't have a sniff on the ball. They didn't have a sniff off the ball. They didn't threaten at all. And those are two teams that are challengers for the top four. Do you think if we do you think if we extrapolate that to the whole season that 
a top four spot is is definitely something that is not just realistic but even attainable. Yeah, it is attainable, and and I think Manchester United again, like when you compare it to the people that will be or the teams that will be involved in in that challenge for making the top four, then you'd favour Manchester United in, in a lot of aspects. Going off recent games, now we were speaking um, off air before, like when we were saying how you know the next few games before the World Cup. Those are games you've got to really eye up to get some seriously comfortable results because we've sort of stumbled upon a way of playing and controlling games in big games. And you're like, wow, like especially that Tottenham game, you know, pressing high up the pitch, recovering it well, then controlling in, in, in areas of the pitch to make it uncomfortable for the opposition. If you can do that against the lower teams and break those lower teams down, then then you're, you know, you're in a very, very good position. And, and that's where it goes to maybe Ten Hag's management that he might have done well. I don't know what's happening, but apparently Martial is actually you know, fit in this period. But the issue is with Anthony Martial right now is the fact that he doesn't maybe doesn't want to play him in this Chelsea game because the next three games are way more point in terms of securing the three points and a way of playing. Because if now you've got your proper front three with him, Anthony, Rashford and Sancho coming into that as well, then you finally got a, a way of breaking teams down in, in, in a different style. And yeah, th- the next three games are big. I think that's what will sum up our season, honestly. What about the Europa League? What, what do you think is realistic for us in that? Because uh, I was probably uh, quite confident at the start, but now we are seeing a, a number of quality teams already in it, but also much more dropping down. Do you think it's, it would be a big, big moment for Ten Hag if he was able to secure a significant piece of silverware in his first season? I think with the Europa League, in my opinion, it's... It's one of them competitions where it's weird. You can be the best side in the competition, not win it. Because I think Manchester United have been in, I think we'll all agree, have been in that position before. Yeah, 100%. We lost it to Villarreal. And especially, especially, maybe not just that Villarreal team because they did go on to make the Champions League semi-final. The, the, the year after. before, the, the one where we lost in the semi-final, the year I think, before. was probably bigger, yeah. Exactly, and, and that's what I was going to go for. You know, The year before, we battered Sevilla, absolutely battered them, and we didn't get a goal. Um, you know, we, we, we struggled to get that win. We got, was it 2-1 in the end? But, you know, we struggled to get that win. Missed um, a lot we of good chances in that, that game win. as well. We, we missed so many big chances and we batted them all all night. And th- you can't really do much about that. And I think we could have had a good chance at beating Inter Milan in the final as well. So again, it doesn't matter what team you are. But I think Manchester United, in that competition, I want us to face the biggest and best teams in that competition. I want us to be fully challenged because I'm starting to see brilliant performances against good quality sides. And that's what brings up the level of the team. When we faced Manchester City, it was a struggle. And I think with a new team, when you're coming up against a Pep team, you've just brought Haaland in, who have a, a way of playing football for, you know, five, six years. So it was, it was, a, it was literally a case of year six versus month three, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it's difficult to, to really get anything out of that. Maddie, coming on to you, uh, what what are your kind of expectations? Like again, uh, in the short term for this season in the in the competitions of the Premier League, but then also kind of going forward to uh, next season and the season after that, what are your kind of expectations, or what would you like to see from the team under Ten Hag? I think, like you said earlier, I think it's uh, top four is not just achievable; uh, it's actually attainable if we continue uh, the form that we're in. And uh, if we stay away from injuries and if maybe um, Ten Hag gets backed up again in January with a couple of signings or a number nine at least, I think that would, uh, I think top four is more than attainable if uh, if you get a number nine by January. As for the next couple of seasons. Um, what do you think number nine? 
Who do you think is the best number nine that will come in now? Uh, uh, for me, I, I think Ivan Tony is is the. Uh, I with Ivan Tony, for me, it's just not even about the quality. I just like his ego. I'll be honest. I do think you need that as a number nine. But there's there's a lot of you know good realistic options. There's for a sure. story. There's a story. There's that dog in him in it. You know. Yeah, I mean? there's, there's that dog in him. He yeah, has that. Sure. He has that. He can. He can. You know, like to to make it with with Brentford the way he has. You know, to put his name as to be second in the England team now, pretty much. Hundred like, percent. Everyone yeah. like everyone has to agree he's the one that goes with England. Like the, the, after yeah, Kane. Yeah, I, I think him, Kane, him, and Tammy Abraham for Tammy sure. Tammy Abraham as well. Yes. Tammy Abraham, that's what I was yeah, thinking Tammy as Abraham, well. Yeah, Tammy Abraham, 100%. 100% I don't well. think we will well, be able to get him at the moment. Though. I know we're not talking about, we shouldn't talk about England. Yeah, well, it? that'll be coming up in the World <laughs> Cup preview in a few weeks, but for sure. So where, where do you think, Torres, where do you think that kind of a realistic expectation of Manchester United this summer, this year is, whether that be cup competitions or in the league and, and kind of going forward? You know, you know what it is? Like, for me, what I'm seeing now is exactly what I wanted. I almost don't care how we end. I know I want top four, obviously, like everyone wants Champions League, but I don't actually care how we get it, whether it's Europa League, winning Europa League, or whether it's kind of uh, getting top four. But the fact that I'm seeing what I'm seeing, it kind of gives me early Klopp Liverpool. Um, you know, even uh, uh, like Arteta's run was a little bit different, but gives me gives me that... I'm seeing signs that I never saw with any other manager. You know? Yeah, the, the de- you mean like the development for you is more yeah. kind of important than the... the the title of what we achieved. Exactly. I'm seeing a style of football. I'm seeing like how for once, you know, like against Spurs, we were the team that was dominant. That first half, we were the one that is like, they didn't see any, usually we're that team that's managed by a Conte, by a Mourinho, by a, by, by someone that's sitting back or like we're always, it always feels like we have to sit back because no, we're nowhere near as good as the team. But no, you know, Ten Hag is like, we're going to be that team. We're going to be the team with possession. We're going to be the team that, Pushes the fullbacks, you know, like really charges going forward. We're pressing, you know. Ev- if you're not going to press, you're not gonna, like. There's there's standards in the team that he wants in it, and that's what I really like. It take us time. I don't care. As yeah. long as long as he as long as he, he he gets backed, gets the players that he wants, and even if he fails with some players, it doesn't matter. You have to you have to give him time in it, and within a time couple of days, and and resources for 1, sure. One thousand percent. One thousand. I I agree. I think I think for me, like you said, however long it takes, I want us to be patient. I don't want it to be another situation of in three years' time where people are getting impatient, we haven't challenged, we haven't won enough trophies, whatever it might be, and kind of start doubting him or questioning him. Just being patient with him um, is the most important thing for me in the long term. Uh, in the short term, I do think we'll get top four, I'll be honest. I think with Liverpool struggling, it's, it's a three-way battle for me between Chelsea, United and Spurs. Uh, and I have the confidence in us to kind of guarantee one of them, them two top spots. But what's crazy, though, is... We're getting all this confidence, really, of just a few games. We have been we have been through like, what is it, ten years of no Fergie. This is our tenth season now, right, without Fergie, and we've had ups and downs. But it's crazy. We I've never at once as a fan had this much confidence in a, in weirdly in a in a manager. For me personally, I know some you might be thinking different. You might you might have had more confidence with other managers. For me personally, it was always like, man, I always tell this story with Van Gaal. Like I went and we won three two. It was the worst game I watched in my life. Like, it's just, I just don't know what I'm getting from our teams usually. But this time, even if we lose or we draw or whatever, I know what we're going to play. I know what the intention is, you know? Is it partially because this is the first time you see Manchester United, the board, I mean, slightly backing the manager more than previous managers? A little bit. It's a give, bit. Give, gave him a bit more control than, any, than the previous managers. I think that's a fair comment. It is a fair comment. Um... To be fair, for previous managers, let's be honest, they were backed, but whether they got backed with the players they wanted, I don't know. They got backed with players. 
I, I don't even think it's a question about necessarily being backed in that first summer because I do think all of them have been backed. Yeah. Authority, good point as well. Um, but um, I think they've been backed in the first summer and this is the question mark is that we've seen this with other managers. It's whether next summer or the summer after True. that, if yeah. they are still backing 100%. him or if they're just getting him squad players. Um, uh, there are periods under uh, other managers where maybe we, we have had that confidence. Mourinho, remember the 4-0 FC thing mm. with Mourinho, for example. Um, I, I just do think, though, like you said, it's the whether this is something that can be carried through in the long term um, and he's given the resources that he needs to do but it. But we know Mourinho has, has a one, like, it's a three-year cycle with Mourinho. We yeah, know that. Yeah, I, I get that. Whereas, yeah. whereas with Ten Hag, no, he's, he's shown at Ajax that he's built and rebuilt teams at the same club, you know? 100%, and, and yeah. He's very adaptable. Well. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. that's why, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I have confidence. As in, it's, I'm, I'm excited more than confidence. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. It could go downhill. We don't, I never know. But it, I'm excited to see where it go. And for the first time in a while, I'm really, really excited. I was excited with Oli. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but that was a different kind. That was more like, we were always an underdog. I feel like Ten Hag can build us to be one of the top teams in Europe. Yeah, I, I, I think I think given the resources and the authority, we've seen the authority given now for the first time under a manager, um, and I like that one. Like we've mentioned before, Abdullah mentioned with the Maguire situation or the Ronaldo situation and so on, uh, he's he's definitely the, the main man at the club now. Um, we'll uh, see as well whether he gets back in January. That's a good first sign. Yeah. Whether uh, he gets an, a nine that 100%, 100%. I think January would be a big, big sign of it. And, and the summer, to be fair, because there mm. are a couple of positions that we still need to kind of improve on. And... What I'm, what I look forward to the most is seeing this team reach its final form. 100%. Like like Abdullah mentioned, Pep was in year six, where we were in month three. Where yeah. will we be in year four, five? Hopefully, if if everything keeps going the way it is, in terms of this season, like I said, I do think we will win the we will get into the top four. The Europa League, I was confident, but I've got question marks now, given kind of Barcelona dropping down and so on. I do think Barcelona. What are would you prioritize? For that. Top four I think it's going to, I think w- with any season when a team is in the Europa League, what that Man United and Arsenal will realise now is that we'll get to the same point that Mourinho got to, where you reach the, the last four or the last eight of the Europa League and you're just like, what's our best option here? Mm. I personally think we're going to be in the top four kind of relatively comfortably uh, to a point that we might carry on going for the Europa League, but... For me, it's all about if we win the group. If we don't win the group and we meet a Barcelona straight away, um, like Abdullah said, it might be good for the development of the team because mm. we're playing a better opposition, but it might not necessarily mean winning silverware. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, for not winning silverware if it means yeah, the team is developing better. For, for me, right, I, I want to see us against big teams. So I, don't, I, I just want to see how we play against those teams more than anything. I don't, I'm, I'm not too insistent on winning the Europa League. It's fine, personally. It would be great. When I get there, obviously, if we, set, say we get to the final or semi-final, I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's win it now. But I'm more worried. I, I just want to see us in the league because we're always up and pumped for the big games. You know, like, and, and Ten Hag shows that there, there is a, there's, a, there's a game plan that usually works against big teams. And we've had this even under Oli, to be fair. Um, so this group of players have had this for a while. It's now the smaller teams, isn't it? The 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 yeah. Newcastle's the well Newcastle. Not fair, a small Newcastle team. are a top. They're not a small team. To be fair, uh, we could we should have won that game personally. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like it but should, I know what you mean. Like teams that that will that you need to break the Brighton's, down, the Brentford's that we lost yeah. to. You know, like you know West Ham, Fulham, for example, coming they up. They put eleven man be behind test. the ball. Like hundred percent. How, how are we gonna how are we gonna break them down? And to be honest, I'm slightly worried in the short term of the no goals. I, I, 
We need Martial back badly. We can yeah, tell. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, we hope. And who would have thought soon. that? You know, I'm the biggest Martial fan, but like, who would have thought we're gonna need Martial this badly? And every every time he comes on, he scores. He does well, and he holds yeah, the ball. Yeah, and, well. and and to be fair to him, he's he's made sure that he's a crucial part of yeah, uh, the way the Ten Hag team is is um is performing. He had a big summer. Uh, all credit to him after a difficult year last year. And you know, long may it continue. Even if even if it ends up being a situation where he isn't a player that that can stay fit for a long time, as long as he's an option, yeah. um, he's a profile that we we need for sure. Big big few months ahead, man. I'm 100%. excited to see how it goes. And, uh, and with the World Cup's going to be a bit going to be a different season. So I think the World Cup's going to be good for us because I think well, that gives Ten Hag three four weeks to work with a group of players. You know what Arsenal have done is very good, by the way. So Arsenal are doing a training camp in in Dubai. So that any player that gets out of the World Cup, I was gonna it's say an that. easy trip for them to to join up with the rest of their teammates and then fly back together. So that's quite smart. It's perfect uh, ending for the show because we've got a big one coming up. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks on the World Cup, um, that's going to be an interesting one because it's getting close now. Hundred percent. The excitement to, is building. I wanted to talk about that because I didn't know about the the training camp that Arsenal are doing. I wonder what Man United will be doing. It will be interesting, obviously, all of us here are Man United fans. Um, I hope that we'll be doing the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting because Man City, for example, have given their players time off. They've, they've totally said that they're, they're, they're going on holiday. So every team is, is definitely going with another approach. I think a lot of the smaller teams are actually doing pre-season tours, basically. Um, so so that's, that'll be interesting to see for sure. And uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Obviously, we'll be bringing you a special World Cup preview show uh, in the next couple of weeks as we uh, get close to the World Cup uh, and the excitement builds. I want to give a big thank you to everyone for joining me on this show this week. So let us know, guys, what topics you would want us to, to cover in the future in these specials, and we'll be sure to bring that to you. Um, we'll have our regular show uh, as we bring you the latest news from the NBA, football, and, and the NFL, of course. So we look forward to that. So thank you for joining us as always, and until next time. Keep it locked.